If you would, uh, turn with me uh, to Isaiah uh, chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Hopefully this word is encouraging for you today. If you're brand new to, uh, to church, um, man, we're just glad that you're here. If you're here exploring the way of Jesus, we called sanctuary sanctuary for a reason. We, we desire this to be a safe place. A safe place. A sacred place, the definition of the word sanctuary, to engage in the way of Jesus. We're all just trying to become apprentices of Jesus. We're family trying to figure out what it means to truly follow him, to live um, in, a, in a kind of a, in this world, uh, but not completely of it. So to be a, a different sort of people in the world. Uh, so if you've ever been hurt by somebody in the church, uh, I'm so sorry. Um, but we are as messed up as you are just to let you know. And we are trying our best to make sense of what it means to be whole and what it means to, to, to be people of love and rooted in the path of Jesus. So we just want to welcome you. We expect that you'll disagree with things. We expect that um, uh, you, you may feel a little peculiar about certain things. Um, stick with it and, uh, and be open. I think that's our posture of our church. Amen. All right. Let's read together. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. You don't have to read with me. Just read along. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for all those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Anyone ever, uh, anyone like a big fan of like exchanging gifts? Anyone have like a regular habit? You have a person in your life who's a really bad gift giver and they give you the gift receipt? And you get really excited about making that exchange. Anyone excited about exchanging food when it comes out a little too cold or it wasn't exactly how you ordered it? Anybody that person? Anybody? I'm that person. I actually like take great pride in it. It's probably not the most grace-filled thing, but if like that food doesn't come out, I do two things. I go, hey, I know this is not your fault to the waiter or the waitress because I don't want the, like, like them to incur my wrath. But like I totally like... Ordered like two flecks less of pepper than you put on there. Can you send that back? I got ordered, I don't know why, it becomes like a weird warp justice issue. Like I'm spending money on food. I'd like it to be delivered to me and I'd like you to have a smile while you deliver it to me. And I think, I, I, I've grown up culturally where that's like not okay. Like it's just whatever, however the food comes, you're just like okay. And, or, or the best is when, does anybody apologize for something that somebody else did wrong? Yeah, it's such a bad habit. I do it all the time. And I've tried to fight that and fight that and fight that. In other words, like somebody will come up and you ordered, you know, you ordered a veggie burger and they bring steak. Like you ordered eggs and they bring bacon. I don't know. You ordered a coffee and they bring you a Dunkachino. 
been a long time since I had a Dunkachino. Those still exist? Great. And so when that comes, you just go, oh, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I actually ordered this. Why are you sorry? And then it's like it turns into if they're like a good customer service person, like, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm just sorry to bother you. No, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. It's just so, yeah, just, just uh, I didn't order that. Something about ex- exchanging things. So my, my friend, um, Andy and Aaron, they got married uh, years ago. And I can't remember the name of the store. I tried to text them before the service. But they, um, when they got married, they looked to, uh, they, they really needed some cash. And uh, they really didn't need like a fancy china set or like 16 bowls or three toasters. But they knew they were having a big wedding and they knew their family was desperately and extended family and friends are going to want to buy them something. This is how we show appreciation. And so they figured out a plan to register at places where when they returned the item, they could get cash back. How brilliant is this plan? Right? I'm going to honor grandma because grandma's going to want to buy me china because that's what we do. Some of you even don't even know what China is. You think I'm referencing the country. Like, China, what is happening at this church? Like, you want to bring, like, fancy, fancy silverware, a whole set, and they're like, we don't need that. We're, like, all into, like, simple living, and we don't really, like, and so, but, like, grandma wants to buy that, and you buy that, and grandma will actually be ticked if you don't let her buy that. Or people who buy things, anyone who got married, anyone who, like, loves to buy things off like, uh, they're not on the registry. They're like, I know you didn't register for this, but I just really feel like you would like this. I really feel like you would really, really love, like, my, my neighbor's birdhouses that they make. And so they exchanged all the stuff that came in. They just turned around. They think they kept, like, a handful of things. And then they just returned it all and just walked away with, like, a boatload of a cash. <laughs> There's something happening in this passage, and, the oft, and how often this passage is repeated. We could spend a, a whole teaching series on this passage. How often this language comes up throughout the biblical narrative, where there is this language of exchange. And it's not exchange, it's interesting, it's not exchange like food exchange. There's an exchange um, that, that is, is truly rooted on, on, a, on a, you had one thing and now you have something very different. The context here is Isaiah, this prophet, who is now leading the Jewish people, these people that have been set apart to be a blessing to the world. God's tribe called out, right? The only time God calls someone out or the language of like predestination, this is always, anytime there's a call out or a blessing or a my people, it's always for the sake of everybody else. It's I, I, I want to work through people, so I'm calling this tribe and this person to be a blessing to the world. 
And so the, the short story of where we are in the biblical narrative in Isaiah, if you've never read the Bible, is these first people, they gaff it up. They don't care for the poor. They don't take care of the brokenhearted. They're, they're full of idolatry. They don't put God first. They want a king. God's like, I want to lead you, but they wanted a king. They wanted a polig- political figure. They wanted somebody up front to lead the way. And God's like, no, 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 no. And he relents and he relents. And then we get all this language, very Old Testament language, like God gives them over. And so they find themselves in exile. They find themselves pulled away from their homeland, everything that God had promised them, because there's consequences. There's consequences to systemic generational brokenness. Not that we don't know anything about what's happening right now in our nation in regards to that. Right? There's, there's, there's a reality of when you saw this failure and failure to walk the way of life and walk the way of life, they found themselves invaded by another nation, pulled out of their homeland. This passage here, though, is Isaiah leading these people, God's people, back into the promised land. And they get there. They've had all this hope and all this expectation that, yes, we get to go home. Anyone like been really excited to get to a place and you've got it all hyped up in your mind and you remember what the thing was or you've like seen pictures of what the thing was and then you show up. It's sort of like going to Disneyland. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. And you get there and you're like, there's so many long lines and everything is overpriced and I hate everything. Maybe not. Maybe you love Disney World. But like, there's something about when those expectations get shattered, that's the context where these Jewish folks come back home. Israelites, this Hebrew tribe, they come back home and the vineyards are filled with brambles. Nothing's been been, been kept up. An agrarian society sees their landscape desolated and it crushes them. And it's in this context right here that Isaiah proclaim something. He's been sort of getting them ready, getting their hearts ready. And he goes, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Like, I got something to say. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim some good news to all y'all. And here it is. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. There's a lot there with the day of vengeance I don't have time to get into. But the, the, the Hebrews understood, just as we do as Christians, that God's wrath is a good thing. We don't want a God who does not rage against genocide and racism and rape and bro. We don't want a God who does not get angry at the right sorts of things, including the sin in our own heart. This is God's vengeance and wrath. So the Hebrews would look upon this not as some sort of, oh my gosh, it's so unfair that God's vengeful. They quickly and always turn to like, yep, we continue to choose death instead of life. A lot more to say there, but let's move on. And so he goes on to say, to proclaim the year of the Lord, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. These are these people who are grieving to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of despair. Let's pause there. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. When there was desolation in a land, a natural disaster, something in the world where there was brokenness, they would reflect that desolation back as people who are dialed into the land. 
There was ritual around this. And so what they would do would be to take ashes and to put it on their head. This is actually where the tradition rooted all the way back for Ash Wednesday comes from. There's desolation in the world. There's brokenness and ache in the world. And so you would put those ashes on your face as a symbol, as a ritual, as some sort of remembrance of the ache that we are all in. I can't believe the world is like this. Anyone ever been to an Irish funeral? An Irish funeral, there's like tradition around this, a true Irish funeral, where you go to the funeral and then you go to the pub. I don't know if you've ever noticed McBride's in Wayland Square is connected to the funeral home. Everyone ever notice this? It's mirrored after another pub in Ireland that's the same way. But pubs and funeral homes go together. And this isn't just leaning into the stereotype of like, I'm Irish so I can talk about this. Uh, like just go and get drunk or something. But like it really is. It's like you go and you pound it and it's a cathartic exercise. I've talked to friends who literally it's like kind of ritual. Like somebody just ends up in a fight and no one's really mad about it. It's just like an exhortation. I was watching a documentary recently and in China sometimes people are paid, if you don't have a big family, when someone dies people are paid to show up and to cry at a funeral of a family member. This is like a, a ritual, a physical ritual, where it's almost, it was talked about in this documentary, almost like it's a competition. That person was so loved, there's that many people crying and weeping. It's a video of it, go look it up, it's so loud. There's a, there's a ritual aspect of this. And so that's what these ashes are. And so Isaiah is saying, hey, hey, something new is going to happen. I know it looks like despair. I know everything around looks like desolation. This would be the time where we would put ashes on our faces. And instead, he says, I'm going to give them a crown of beauty. This is when someone wins an athletic competition. This would be on a birthday, right? It's really close to whatever idea of like, like flower crown, like Woodstock you have in your head. It's like, we're going to put a crown on you. We're going to celebrate. We're going to commemorate. I was at a birthday party yesterday, and all the little kids, when it came around to, like, blowing the candles out, I didn't quite get why or what the theme was, but everybody had crowns on their head. And so everyone put the crowns on. It was just excitement. There was something about and the, the birthday boy had a big crown. We celebrate. Isaiah's like, I know this looks like how you should dress yourself up given the circumstances, but let me tell you, we're actually going to put a crown there instead. God's doing something. Stay with me. I'm just getting warmed up. I'm preaching today, by the way. Some days I teach. Some weeks I preach. Some weeks it's mixed. This week's definitely preaching. To comfort all those who mourn. Provide those who grieve. To bestow on them a crown of beauty. And then he says, an oil of joy instead of mourning. Oil is a common and regular image in the scriptures. Oil is like, in part, like Neutrogena. Oil is that moisturizer. Oil gladdens the face. And so instead of tears, anyone ever get, everyone get really bad cry face? Like you're like just a bloated, dried up mess. I mean, no one looks great when they're crying, but some people like, it's like, whoo. And it's just, it, like, it, the, all the, 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 the tears, it dries everything up, and it hurts, and your nose, you've been rubbing your nose, and everything's, like, hard, and, and, and it just, it, it, Isaiah goes, instead of a posture of lament, 
I know you want to cry, but actually let's gladden those faces. Actually, there's something else that God wants to do and is doing in this space. And then the third one is a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Seasons of despair are those seasons you don't want to get out of bed. Seasons of despair are those times where you wake up begrudgingly and you just don't care anymore about taking a shower, putting your makeup on, getting ready to go. Those seasons of despair are when you're just like, I just don't have it in me anymore. I just don't care. And you walk out the door. A garment of praise is like, put on that robe, like put the tux on, like get your best starter jacket going on. That's right, I said starter jacket. They're back in style now, I just learned this. Your best champion socks. Like you get dressed up, you put a garment of praise on instead of a posture of despair. This is language of stepping in, stepping into the day. Isaiah is saying, this is what's going to happen. And so if if we were to go ahead a little bit then in the story, Jesus comes on the scene. There's this expectation that this is going to begin to happen, that things are going to be put back together. And most of the Jewish people have this all circled around a promised land. But what some of the Hebrew folks fail to see in the Scripture, not all, but fail to see that actually God wants to do something bigger that doesn't just involve the Jews. It's a blessing to be a blessing. It doesn't just involve a plot of land in the Middle East. It actually is something bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And all the prophets in the Old Testament hint at this and talk about this and say something else is coming. Then Jesus comes on the scene and we read in Luke that he walks into his hometown and he unrolls, he's a rabbi, he unrolls the scroll and he begins to read this passage, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And he begins to read. It's like this is his like opening song. Anyone remember Mike Tyson? Anyone? <laughs> a few of you? I'm so old. Eric, I don't know what to do anymore. I, like my references, they're all failing. I'm trying, the jean jacket doesn't work. Mike, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson. Huh? You're, you're older than me. All right, all right, thanks. Mike Tyson. Remember Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Nintendo's great game. Anyway, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. He would... That's what he sounded like. Mike Tyson, when he would come out to box, everybody has a hype song, right? If you, like, for some reason watch WWF, like... <laughs> You come out, and there's always some big song, right? Uh, for weddings. Like when I work with a bride and groom on their wedding, I always ask them, what song do you want to walk out to? And everyone has some fun, goofy song, and they come out and they dance, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. You with me? The fan's too loud? You guys can hear me, right? I need some feedback. All right. So, Mike Tyson would come out to, I wish I had a video of this right now. I didn't have time to put it up there. This is what he would walk out to. <laughs> ominous one note how sick is that move everybody else is coming out to, you know some metal song some hip hop song Tyson he's shut out like oh my goodness 
just like, how are you not scared to death? And then over top of the, you just hear the rattle of chains. So good. This is Jesus' moment. This is what's happening. <laughs> yes, I just equated Jesus to Mike Tyson walking out to a boxing fight. You're welcome. Welcome to Sanctuary Church. Jesus, this is his rollout. This is his declaration. Here's what's going on. And he references back something that everybody in the temple would have known. They know that passage. They long to see that in reality. They've seen bits and pieces of it, and they're interpreting it like maybe, you know, that was just for that time and that moment, and then it went away. And Jesus is like, that whole thing that was beginning to happen then, this is the moment where the beautiful exchange takes place. Jesus goes, here is the new reality we are all going to live in. I have come to take the mourning and to take the despair and to take the tears and I'm going to turn them. The word that comes up all three times, and that's what I wanted to just name the message today. I think it's behind me on the screen. Instead. Instead. This word, over the past two weeks, since I've been thinking about this message, it's sort of just one-off message. There's no series or anything. It has it has shifted my prayer life. What is my instead today? Where do I need to claim the promises of God and what he desires to do in my heart? Because we learn something in this passage about, I mean, we learn a lot of things, but one thing is we learn that like God is for us. This is what God desires for you. This is what's happening. This is what God will and can do. And we begin to step into this even now. I have a friend, he's a builder, and he does a lot of um, restorative work. I don't want to watch those HGTV shows. Everyone loves those. Why do we love those? It's something old and nasty and beat down, something broken. And what, is, what, what do they do? They put it back together. They put it back together. We love that. We love to see, like, I can't believe that thing that clearly is that could become that. There's a vision that my friend says he has when he rolls up to a house and he sees it and he's been tasked with seeing it through different eyes. He's been tasked with seeing its potential. He's been tasked, the good builder, of looking upon it and going, this is what it was. This is what it could be. This is where it's going. This is the instead. Instead of like, like wrecked walls, instead I don't know, I was going to go on a preaching thing here. I don't know enough about construction. Beautiful sheetrock. Instead of plywood, there's tile. Instead of ugly, that sink, there's a farm sink with the thing in the, I got nothing. Instead, there's a vision. So when Paul, who's a, uh, one of the, the apostles in the early church, Somebody who's starting this church, starting this movement of love and justice and peace rooted around the things of Jesus. When Paul starts to give instruction to some of the churches and they're under oppression, they're experiencing similar kinds of mourning and similar kinds of hurt and similar kinds of pain and ache where they would put the ashes on because things are hard. 
where there be tears, where there be despair. Paul goes, hey, hey, you are called to walk by faith, not by sight. You are being invited to see the kingdom of God breaking forth right here in the midst of the United States of America, in the midst of wherever you are, in the midst of Providence, in the midst of Oneyville, in the midst of South Providence, in the midst of the West End, even Coventry. You are being invited invited by God to see. Jesus goes, the spirit of the Lord's on me. And I joke about the Mike Tyson thing, but there's a, there's a humble strength we know to Jesus. And I imagine him, it says he sits down. This is what the, 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 the scriptures say. Jesus walks out and he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is on me. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The poor, and the, the, the actual poor. Poor in spirit, those with who are lacking or who recognize their poverty, and and he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This is what I'm doing in the world to proclaim freedom for the captives. Anybody need a little bit of freedom? I told you I was going to preach. I'm inviting you to join me in this. Does anybody need a bit of freedom over some temptation? Anyone need a little freedom over the computer at two o'clock in the morning? Can I preach? Anyone need a little freedom over fill in the blank? to proclaim freedom for the captains, to release the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This is what I'm doing. Jesus says, this passage is fulfilled in my reading. Say the word fulfilled. This passage, Jesus says in Luke 4, is fulfilled, or Luke 3, fulfilled in my reading. That word fulfilled is loaded. But basically saying all that Old Testament, all that proclamation, it's all ultimately, whatever it meant right there for them then, this is ultimately what it was all pointing to. Right now is ground zero for a whole new world bursting forth in the midst of this one. Theologians call it the already, not yet. The future coming racing into the present. Every time this passage is read, Every time it comes up in commentaries and people who are much smarter than I talking about this passage, what happens is, is they always jump all the way to Revelation as well. It's just beautiful. It all gets tied together because the same language that is mentioned in Revelation, which is all that are broken will be comforted. All that are weeping, the tears will be wiped away from their eye. They will like weep no more, hurt no more. It's this powerful, powerful image of what it's all going to be and what God's going to wrap it all up. And he says, you don't have to wait for it. It's starting now. Jesus says, this kingdom, this way, this announcement, this proclamation is starting now. Has anyone else, can anyone else bear witness to experiencing that now? Like that kind of healing now. Like you've had these moments of great comfort. These moments of a living, we sang the song, Living Hope. A living hope is not a hope like the rest of the world talks about hope, which is like, man, I just hope. 
Like it'll be a lucky break whether this works out or not. A living hope is a hope that is rooted in an understanding that God has got this. And that however it turns out, it will turn out for good. God will wipe away every tear from their eye that we don't have to fear death anymore. This is why Paul says death has lost its sting, its ache, its pain point. It doesn't hurt the way it used to. It hurts because we live in a broken world and have jacked it up. But it does not hurt as a follower of Jesus anymore because we trust. Because our eyes, we, we have eyes of faith faith. We have eyes of faith. I have preached over the years far too many messages, maybe not far too many, but plenty of messages on lament, on the importance of mourning, the importance of being honest, of not having this like victory mindset in the church sometimes, which is like, don't talk about your pain, just charge ahead and God's faithful and it'll all work out. So if anyone needs to hear that and you've never heard me preach before, like I need you to know that like, yes, God is close to the brokenhearted. Jesus, the son of God, wept when he experienced the pain of the world up close and personal when his friend Lazarus died. But what I have failed to do is balance that with though that is the reality now, though it's those ashes are the first thing you want to drape on and they're real, when those tears are actually really flowing, when that despair begins to well up, Jesus, you need to keep in mind, even in acknowledging that pain and working through it, that there has been a different pronouncement. And as followers of Jesus, we see a different world breaking forth. Even there, can I get an amen? I have learned... Things that I used to mock as a pastor. Just want to be real. I've learned so much about my mindset and my attitude affects my cynicism and my despair so much. There's so many ways this church was built in reaction to the brokenness we saw in the church. In so many ways, this church was built in react, not fully, but in reaction to the ache, to the lack of care for the poor, to the lack of talking about the kingdom, for a gospel message that got truncated to like raising your hand and inviting Jesus into your blood pumping muscle. It got shrunk. It was not biblical. And we looked at that and we said we didn't like that. But what happened sometime in the midst of that is we forgot to take hold of the joy in our reaction to go, no, 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 that's not good and we want to rage against the machine and be a movement that addresses injustice and that is in there with the tears. What has subtly can creep in. I'm just speaking to me. Maybe you have this. Is, this I'm just having a therapy session for myself right now. But what has crept in and what can creep in is a lack of living hope. What can creep in is a lack of joy in all circumstances that we are promised. What we can do is forget Jesus' welcome song. That this, the fighter walked in to that low, ominous note saying, instead, instead, instead. Jesus goes, I've been through all of it. In Hebrews it says he's experienced every temptation we have. He's been through it. He died on the cross. He experienced the worst thing that could happen to a person at that time, arguably still today. He experienced it, and yet his opening song rings true after he has risen from the dead. He goes, that's not the end of the story. He goes, instead, all of this brokenness is going to turn to this. And you can begin to walk in that reality now. Instead, instead, instead. Instead. 
I have Irish, uh, like I said, I'm Irish. I have good luck. I have Irish luck. I realize this. I know pastor's not supposed to believe in luck, but I have a blessing upon my life. If I get bumped on an airplane, I will get first class. Maybe it goes back to like the I will always pick a fight. So it's like, oh, there's some problem. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, about that. Like, yeah, let's put you in the, like the amazing hotel, like the perfect, the big giant king suite. I don't know why it happens over and over. The amount of times I've gotten a free meal because I've been like, mm, there's a little hair in there. I'm not painting myself very well. Where am I right now? These exchanges where this is what reality looked like and then everything changes. Instead is a substitute, something new happening in God's instead. Hear this, God's instead. God's like getting the upgrade. Actually, I know it looks like this, but this is the reality that you can live in. I know it looks like our political system is about to explode and it probably is, but there is a whole new world and thing you can be a part of even here and now. God's instead is the gospel. It's the good news. Part of the good news is you don't get what you deserve. We deserve brokenness. We sometimes deserve as a nation the presidents we get. We sometimes deserve the, the issues and systems that we see around us. There's this sense of, though we are people that continue to perpetuate death so often and choose not love and not graciousness and not beauty and not goodness, but we choose death. Oh my Lord, Jesus goes, you're not gonna get what you deserve. I love you. I love you. And so there is forgiveness and there is grace. Your handed mourning, your, your, your sin has handed you whatever it may be. And Jesus just says, instead, God loves to be generous and he loves to give to people who don't deserve it. Anyone in here not deserve God's grace and mercy and love? Oh, it's a hard thing to own. But oh my goodness, the scriptures say you are dead in your sin and Jesus has raised us to life. And what I love about this passage to close is like, is there is, it's not just fixing. God's not just like, let me fix a problem. But it, it goes from, right, ashes on your face to a crown. It's not like ashes on your face to no more ashes. It's not like there's hurt in the world and now I just like feel fairly neutral. No, 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 Jesus is not about just fixing a problem. He wants to see you flourish. And so there's an invitation to each one of us, whether you're here and a follower of Jesus or not, to step into that power, to step into the life of the ages, to step into freedom and joy, to step into an understanding of the world that is that God is putting it all back together and that his way is best and he gave us what it is to become an apprentice of him and gave us his word and gave us his family. And he says, step in. Because instead of what you just see around you, which just looks like status quo, which looks like cynicism and a life of sarcasm and a life of just trying to like get to the next point on the ladder, he goes, there's simplicity and there's generosity and there's beauty and there's life and there's family and there's no more death. No, no, no. I don't just want to fix your problem. I want to put a flower crown on your head. I was going to say, does anyone want a flower crown on your head? But some of you are like, no. Instead, instead, instead. Are we committed to see? 
We commit it to the eyes that my friend, the, 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 the builder that he sees. We're committed to that. To walk in faith and not by sight. Paul says, I know this body is wasting away. I know there's some things that are pretty broken and jacked up. I know there's a lot of reasons to be sour. But walk by faith. See what is beyond. See the reality, God's reality breaking forth in the midst of this one. See God's way breaking forth. See the renewal of all things breaking forth. See that, no, no, your identity does not have to be wrapped up in anything other than you are loved child of God. And to my sisters and brothers who have heard this a million times before, this kind of language, this is the invitation we have to extend to others. And this is the thing why I wanted to preach on this is the simple little word instead, how it has transformed my prayer life is to realize my goodness, I'm always looking for God to just sort of fix and tie up and do away with this. And I'm not looking for him to redirect my energy and pull me into a life of flourishing. What is your instead? You are here and you need an exchange. You need a beautiful exchange. Jesus spends his whole life just going around exchanging, 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 exchanging. It's powerful, it's beautiful. I know I see this brokenness. I know I see this blindness. I know I see this poverty. And he's like, let's exchange this, let's exchange this. That's like Jesus is like the universal trading post. Come to me, I got something else for you to pick up. Spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm proclaiming this to all y'all who need to come to the trading post. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we thank you for the mercy that exists in this passage. I love knowing, Lord, like what you want for me. Like you, that's like, that's like part two of this message, God, I feel like. Like you want, like you, you are, you're like you want to put the victor's crown on the person who was like in desolation and in last place. Like this is what you want. Crowned with glory, full of love and life, free, open, ready to step in to a broken world. And be healers. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I pray for my sisters and brothers in the room right now who are in desperate need, in desperate need of an exchange. Like it's not something they gotta dig for in this moment, it's like right front and center. Got some chapped faces from the tears. having a hard time getting out of bed or hard time seeing how life exists outside of the current circumstance. Or the worst one, Lord, I pray for those just struggling with apathy and despondency, feeling hopeless. Lord Jesus, would you give us eyes to see? Give us eyes to see, eyes of faith to see what is unseen. 
Because it's then, Lord, we know we get to step into solving the problems with you, not on our own. It's then, Lord, that we get to step in to the hurt of our world, Lord, full of, of new life. Oh, Lord, give us eyes to see what you are doing, what you have done, how it changes everything. Lord, give us eyes to see. Lift our spirits. I just hope people leave encouraged today, Lord. I ask that you would encourage every person in this room, lift their hearts. They would know this divine trading post, Lord, is there for them to come and, and, and lay down their life and say, I repent, to turn around and come back to the God who says, I forgive you of your sin. I forgive you. Come and walk in my way. Come and flourish with me. Come, come all who are weary and heavy laden and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to put a crown on you, an oil on your face and a garment of praise, some fresh clothes and we're going to step back out together in life and freedom. Lord, would you, in a way that only your spirit can, would it descend on people as we close and would it encourage and would it challenge and would it provoke would it lift as we head into a new week of demonstrating and announcing the love and hope that you bring? And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and sing as we close together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. of whatever doubt and uncertainty and apathy that clouds our hearts, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that your mercy is new every morning, and that you, Lord, will wipe away every tear from our eyes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.